welcome to Show Me Your Mic, podcast about podcasting. We talk to other podcasters about their podcasts. We say the word podcast a lot. Take a drink every time you hear the word podcast. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, I've got Maurice Cherry on. He's the host of Revision Path, a weekly interview show that focuses on showcasing black graphic designers and developers. And he's also the host of the Year of Tea, where he'll teach you about a new tea in the time it takes you to brew a fresh cup. My thanks to Campaign Monitor and A Small Orange for sponsoring this episode of Show Me Your Mic. More about them a little later on in the show. For now, here's my conversation with Maurice. I do the intro in post, so we'll just sort of find our way into the discussion of the show. Okay. Um, but... Uh, Needless to say, welcome to Show Me Your Mic, Maurice. It's great to have you on the show. And uh, the two shows that you do are Revision Path and The Year of Tea, which I've taken a listen to both. Great production value, first of all, just out of the gate. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, so we'll get into that a little later on in the show. But why don't you tell the folks what each of your podcasts are about and maybe start with The Year of Tea. So that's, that's probably the quicker one, and then we'll go into Revision Path. Sure thing. So... The Year of Tea, I actually just started this year, started on January 1st, 2015. And what it is, is a daily short burst podcast where I review a different tea every day. Um, right now, I'm up to 34, 35, 34 teas. Today's the third. So 34 teas I'm up to. Uh, and that's just kind of been something that I've been getting into as a practice to create something every day. I mean, I do drink tea every day, so I figure why not? get up and talk about it. I have people that ask about my tea collection, ask me about different teas. So I figured it would be a nice little thing since I didn't really see any active tea podcasts out there. Um, I thought it would be good. Uh, the second is Revision Path. And Revision Path is a weekly interview podcast that focuses on showcasing black graphic designers, web designers, web developers, illustrators, game developers, what have you. Just basically uh, black digital creative folks. And uh each week with that, I talk about, you know, their stories, their experiences. They give insights, uh, talk about mentorship, diversity, things of that nature. And it's people from all over the world. It has a pretty strong U.S. focus right now because I'm in the U.S. But, I mean, we've talked to people in the U.K. I've talked to uh, a lot of people in uh, South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana. So I'm branching out. My focus this year is to do more international shows. So uh, that's what those two shows are about nice yeah and we were talking a little bit before well before skype decided to boot us off and and uh uh but uh, as skype often does with podcasts but uh you had mentioned just the idea that this show records live for folks who may not aren't aware we record live tuesday mornings usually good stuff.fm slash live and streams out so you can listen while we record but um, you mentioned the idea of people to ask you about recording live and the sort of scheduling angle of of doing that and how that would be kind of frustrating so do you right now sort of do the you try to release it weekly, but you just schedule the interviews whenever you can get people, sort of whenever it works for them kind of idea? Yeah, so I do the scheduling. I actually have a whole system like set up on the Revision Path site when I do my outreach to people and ask them if they would like to be on the show. Uh, the scheduling is done using a service called Time Trade, and so that hooks into my Google Calendar, and they can choose. Um, I do it in 90-minute slots only because sometimes we go long, sometimes we go short. I'd rather have the full 90 minutes just in case. But we schedule in 90-minute blocks, and then the availability changes based on my availability on the calendar. So sometimes I'll record in the mornings. I've actually got um, an interview on 
Thursday in the morning. Sometimes we do it at night. Uh, it really just depends. I try to make sure it's around their schedule and not so much mine because I'm doing revision path around my own schedule. Uh, so I want to try to make it as easy as possible for people that want to be on the show to schedule a time that really works the best for them. Usually for interviews, I record anywhere from a week to four weeks in advance. Uh, again, that you know depends on availability. For like during the holidays, for example, I scheduled a lot of stuff in November and early December that was going to publish in January because I knew that I was going to be out, people were going to be out, but I've got the shows queued up and ready to go. But usually between one to four weeks, I try to get that much out with scheduling, um, and also just working around people and their when they check their email, when they check any sort of messages to get back to me. So I try to put enough of a buffer time in there to make sure that every week I've got a new show. So right now I'm up to about mid-March with shows. So I, you know, I'm not too, too bad, but I am going to start doing some more prospecting and outreach probably nice. next week. Yeah, that's the, that is the uh, drawback to this, the way, the way I do it with the live thing where, which is can be fun for you know live listeners tune in give us feedback tell me things i do wrong or, or whatever help us pray to the podcasting gods in today's show's case but uh but yeah having i i'm sitting here with a bit of envy having hearing you say you have uh, shows scheduled out until march basically and and so you could technically take a week or two off or maybe you are or whatever with podcasting and, and uh that's a sounds like a nice place to be in that's for sure maybe i should just record these ahead of time but then just stream them live as if I'm recording it live and then pretend to, no, anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's the interesting thing you mentioned with um, time trade is it seems like there's so many tools these days for this whole like online scheduling solutions thing. That's one I hadn't come across. I was, for folks who are listeners of the show know I've been using a service called appointlet.com. Uh, popular one going around is calendly.com mm-hmm. is another one. And all for uh, for what we're doing, like you and I, as far as scheduling guests and stuff, is awesome. Like it saves so much time with back oh, and yeah. forth and email. So because usually when I'm when I'm trying to reach out to someone, there's email back and forth. Well, does this time work? Does this time work? And if you just have your calendar up and let people choose their own day and time that they want to record, that's great. Especially if they have to reschedule too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people will need to reschedule maybe the day of, and they can just go in, click the link reschedule it i get an automatic notification so that way we're not both scrambling when it comes to interview time to be you know ready and prepared yeah definitely and are you using um skype to record the interviews like yes yeah i'm using skype and then uh, skype pipes into pamela since i'm on windows so i use pamela to do my recording nice oh that's good actually i i I think you're the, my, maybe the first one who's come across who I've come across who I've chatted with you actually uses Pamela. I've heard it recommended by folks, but typically it's from Mac users like me who say I've heard of this, but I haven't actually used it, so I don't know for sure if it works. Like it yeah, says. I, I before Pamela, I was using um, I think it was MP3 Skype call recorder, and it was just way too finicky when it came down to recording. Like it would record the interview, and then as soon as we're done and it stops, it'll lose the audio. <laughs> and so then I have to cut, you know, I have to reschedule with the person again. There are a couple of interviews I've done that I've had to reschedule three or four times just to make sure that we've gotten it. Or the worst part is it will record maybe half of the interview. And so then when I go back and listen to the audio, I'm like, what happened to the first 20 minutes? Because it was <laughs> recording, but it's gone. So we're like mid conversation and yeah. I have to try to, you know, make it work. So I switched from MP3 uh, Skype call recorder to Pamela. Mainly because MP3 Skype call recorder, you know, was free. So I started that 
just started out using that to see how it was. Once I saw how bad it was and I looked at Pamela and saw the feature set, I was like, you know, it's an investment. I'll go ahead and pay. I think it was maybe about 30 bucks to pay for it. But it's been indispensable in terms of recording. It's a little finicky with the new version of Skype. I don't know if there's been a change with the API or something, but it still works uh, really well. So that's what I'm using now. It's uh, it's an indispensable part of my uh, podcasting kind of toolbox. And the good thing about it is as soon as the recording is done, um, I actually have an audio engineer um, that I hired. So once the audio is done, it automatically uploads to Dropbox. And so he'll get a message saying that there's new audio and he can just go to work on it. I don't have to sort of let him know like, oh, by the way, there's a new message, you know, there's a new audio or something. Yeah. He already knows once it's done, it's up there, it's ready to go. So it sort of automates the process a bit. Oh, nice. Now that's, see, that's another point of envy now and jealousy that you, I'm, <laughs> you've got your own audio engineer working on the show here. That's uh <laughs> well, I mean, and to say that, I mean, it sounds, I think it sounds a lot more loftier than it is. There's another uh, person I know that does podcasting. Her name uh, is Alea Williams. She's in uh, Los Angeles, I believe. And she has two podcasts. One is called 18 to 49. And the second one is called at the helm. And her and I were, I think, in a Facebook group or something together. And she mentioned this guy that she uses on Odesk who does audio production. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to start doing this podcast. Do you know if he's you know, like available to do other podcasts? He's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you his information. So that was maybe May of last year since I've started using him. And it's been great. I mean, I usually can do the audio editing myself. I use Audacity to do the audio editing. But this just saves so much time because I can say, okay, you know what? Here's the audio. You work on it and it's it's done. I get the finished version and all I have to do is go into Audacity, uh, record the intro, record the outro, mix it together with music and then, you know, schedule it out to publish. Nice. Are you at liberty to say how much he charges for an episode or how much you pay um, roughly? It, you know, it varies based on the length of the episode. Right. Um, it varies based on the length of the episode and it varies, I think, on his time. But usually it's about... I'd say maybe about twenty to forty dollars an episode, maybe. Yeah, which is bad. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not bad. Good. That's not bad at all because he's about five fifty an hour or something like that. So it's not <laughs> not too bad. He's in the Philippines. I should mention that, but uh, it's not too bad in terms of like the financial cost. And I do have sponsorship that that covers that, so it's not a huge sort of financial you know chunk out of me if he record you know if he produces every episode or yeah edits every episode i should say yeah and that's well and you know i know you, you following links stuff you own your own business you're running doing web consulting and web design stuff and so i mean if you're paying that for someone else to edit then you can be doing other things or show prep or whatever and all that kind of stuff and, and save exactly time. Yeah, for exactly sure. oh that's awesome and so uh going back i guess what got you into podcasting originally what sort of drew you into this medium so i've been podcasting on and off now for about 10 or 11 years. Uh, this is sort of my, my second flush of podcasting. First flush was back in about 2004, 2005, when it really started becoming more of a kind of, you know, burgeoning media type of thing. And there were pod camps and there were people talking about podcasts. There were a couple of, um, I know NPR did a bunch of podcasts at that time and public radio was getting into it. And I just had like a, a little dinky podcast that's no longer around now, but I was just talking about you know, my day and this is what happened. And I did that for about, I don't know, maybe about 50 episodes or so. Um, and that was sort of my first time really getting into podcasting and what it was and and um, what the medium of it was. 
at that time here in Atlanta, there was something called the Georgia Podcasting Network. And the Georgia Podcasting Network hosted podcasts, but they also had like a podcast directory. So you had a full list of shows that were in Atlanta, in Georgia, that talked about a number of different topics. So there was a bit of a community, you know, kind of around it here in about, you know, kind of the mid-2000s. We had a couple of PodCamp conferences. I mean, conferences. It was pretty good. Now I'd say that community, for, at least from what I can tell, has sort of waned a bit. Uh, the main reason I wanted to get back into podcasting this time around was really because of Revision Path. Um, I have been doing interviews. Usually they were long-form interviews done you know, kind of back and forth through email. And that just took forever. Like an interview would take maybe, you know, three weeks to a month to complete. And I'm just like, I'm trying to get these done on a consistent basis. And this is just not feasible for me to do it this way. And I thought about, you know, actually talking to the person and then having it transcribed. But I figured that's probably a bit more of a hassle too. And then I just thought, well, why not just do it as a podcast? And I Started doing a couple of podcast episodes kind of interspersed with these long form text interviews. And it wasn't until March of last year that I just decided to go full whole hog with doing podcasts. And so far, it's been great. I mean, it's been able to sort of grow the reach of the site to people that maybe wouldn't have heard about it before. And um, it's just been, I think, the best way to get these people's stories out when you're hearing it from their own voice as opposed to kind of reading something uh, so that's that's kind of how I got back into it, I should say. Yeah. No, it's nice. The site, I mean, I, I said the production value is great. The site looks great as well as far as just design. So kudos on that. I assume you had a hand in, in that as well. Uh, <laughs> or, or maybe. <laughs> yeah, I bought that theme from Theme Forest. Oh, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to lie like I, like I slaved over and put it together. No, I bought that theme from Theme Forest and just kind of worked on, you know, some customizations here and there. It's actually the name of the theme is actually podcaster, which, you know, can't get any simpler than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of toying around with a new version. This is kind of not this is a kind of an exclusive. I'm, a new version should be coming out fairly soon. Um, I've been working with a designer in Philadelphia and we may be coming out with a new version of the site maybe in the next few months or so. But that's that's on down the line. Yeah. Well, it's nice, actually. I, I think I came across that theme, uh, you know, like in the WordPress community, you see themes go by and you sort of catch your eye. And I think I remember seeing something about that one coming along. And I was, I'm always curious as to how well, you know, like the, you try one theme and then it actually is just like horrible coding and horrible to use and not at all really geared for podcasting, even though it says it might support it. But obviously it, you've made it work really well. So it's, it's good to know. And um, it has a nice player and um, looks, looks great. So um, and uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about with with the site, you're you're using a bit of sort of the marketing angle that I, I'm not like I visit, I see a lot of podcast sites obviously on as part of this show, and some people kind of take the passive like just you know here I am if you want to subscribe maybe you might you're using some of the pop ups and email newsletter and stuff sign ups and things like that has that been an effective way to sort of market your podcast and get it out there? That's a really good question because I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. The reason that I'm doing kind of, uh, I, I mean, personally, I feel like it is a probably a bit aggressive is that I really want people to kind of know about the site and know about these people that I'm, I'm interviewing. I think what's different, uh, somewhat different between Revision Path and the Year of T. Revision Path is pretty aggressive with how I do the marketing, like whereas there's Facebook updates and Twitter updates, you know, around the clock. The year of T is pretty much you can sign up if you want to. 
I haven't really done any sort of marketing behind that to get it out to people, but people have still been finding out about it. So I think that's kind of a good thing. With Revision Path, I feel like I have to do that because um, unfortunately, and I don't know how candid I can be, <laughs> I know this is live, but unfortunately, even though you know the focus of the site is around design and designers and development, uh, it is not something that I think people are readily going to pick up on because the people I interview are black. Right. No, that's fair. You can yeah, be as candid yeah, so as you I want. Yeah, so I feel like sure. I, I kind of have to really you know, kind of push it out to let people know about it because otherwise they're not going to, to pay attention to it. I know I've gotten those critiques in the past. I get those critiques today where people will say, well, why don't you interview all designers, which, you know, is code. But the reason that I feel it's, focus, it's important to focus on black designers is because when you look at sort of design as a whole, I'd say in the U.S., but also kind of worldwide, but you look at conferences, you look at blogs you look at other podcasts and other you know design media it does look pretty much like a monoculture uh, yeah so i feel that it's important to showcase and say hey there are people particularly as it relates to these discussions regarding uh black people in technology uh diversity with gender and things of that nature i still i think it's important to focus on that particular segment and niche a i'm black i'm a designer i want to know about other black designers that are out there because those are those are my people you know so I feel like it's important to focus on that particular niche. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I mean, it's not for uh, without being too uh, crass, I guess, but there's it's not like there's a shortage of podcasts with white dudes talking on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah, so, it's pretty much an art wilderness, dude. quite frankly. I mean, yeah. there's not there isn't there isn't a shortage of that. Uh, and when I and it's funny, I tweeted something out the other day. I'm like, well, you know, is your favorite design site or design podcast doing anything for? For Black History Month. If not, you should ask them. I mean, you know, kind of being, you know, haha, sarcastic in a way, but also like really ask them because, you know, if this is what the landscape kind of looks like, and if you've got white dudes talking about design, talking to other white people about design, then where are where are the other voices? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think with Revision Path, aside from it being pretty diverse, um, well, I don't say pretty diverse because it's it's all black people, so it's not diverse in that respect. But aside from it focusing on on black people, we also get, um, you know, perspectives from people in the LGBT community. I'm getting perspectives from people that are in other countries of different ages. So there's there's a lot of diversity just in that thing. Like these are not all twenty something designers in Brooklyn or something. You know, um, I'm trying yeah. to get a, a pretty broad range even within this particular niche. Yeah, well, and women and men too. As I you know scroll through the the list of episodes and stuff, it's a very much more diverse. I know than my own show for sure, and and many other shows as I look through the, you know, predominantly guys, predominantly white dudes, talking about design, which they're all smart dudes usually and stuff. But yeah, I yeah I yeah like I'm totally yeah like totally not taken away from <laughs> yeah. the value of anything that that they are talking about, but it's also kind of the optics of the situation. You yeah, know? yeah, the exactly. And it's industry. it's yeah. I wish I could say I had planned ahead knowing it was. Black History Month to come to talk to you about this, but you you scheduled, so I can't take any credit for that. But it's yeah, maybe it's, I planned it ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome to to have you on the show to talk about that because that's it's not something that's uh, um it's not a focus of the show is sort of gender dynamics and racial dynamics of podcasting and stuff. I try to keep it fairly uh, what's the word apolitical. I guess is the opposite of being political. I don't know, but. Um, in that regard, but it still is worth discussing for sure. Cause it's, it's something that's, I know as good stuff, the network, good stuff that FM network, we try to 
figure out, okay, how can we be a bit more diverse than just it's three guys who own the network? And then what do we do for, with that? And, you know, where do we go? So important discussion. And, and as you seek out uh, guests and, uh, and whether what's your focus and who are you looking at and where are they coming from? And yeah, like you said, in, in geographically in the world and also gender and race and all the other ish dynamics of what makes us humanity, I guess. So the other thing I was going to ask you, but with, with, uh, I think both shows, but I noticed it for certainly on revision path is you, that you're using stitcher for distribution and, uh, which is just, you know, yet another medium besides iTunes, obviously, and all that kind of stuff that you can distribute shows on. And, uh, curious if how that's been as far as, sort of getting the show out there and what your thoughts are on using Stitcher as a medium. So St- Stitcher is a bit of an um, kind of an interesting beast. We just actually wrapped up an audience survey in November and December, where I was really trying to see sort of what the audience uh, breakdown was of how people were listening to the podcast. And I actually found that most people were listening just directly on the website, which I think is a testament to the fact that each of the episodes has that little player. So we found most people were listening on the website. From there, it broke down. I think iTunes was next, then SoundCloud, and then a couple of podcatcher apps like Overcast or Pocket Cast. And Stitcher was kind of at the bottom. Stitcher was like 1% of people were listening through Stitcher. Now, I understand that, you know, with Stitcher, there's the integration with Android Auto and, and uh, I think some other uh, car manufacturers just feature Stitcher as a default when it comes to sort of satellite or digital radio. So there is sort of that aspect of it that I am intrigued about, and that's why we sort of continue to publish through Stitcher. But as it breaks down statistically for this particular audience, not many people are listening through Stitcher. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of what we found, too. We've tested the waters a bit, too, with different shows. And it's I guess it isn't uh, – it's automated or fairly automated once you sign up. You just – it grabs your RSS feed and, and redistributes yeah, it for you. So it's not like it's harder to do, but still – you're, you are right. actively it, promoting it, whereas some shows I see don't mention it, but just, you know, if you happen to find us on Stitcher, great. But so. Yeah, I try to keep that in every, and at least with Revision Path, I try to put that in every single episode, like subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, um, and SoundCloud. Because I know with iTunes in particular, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what the makeup of their algorithm is as it relates to popularity, but I do know that downloads and reviews and ratings all factor into that. And so I try to tell people that the more that they, you know, rate and review and download, the higher that it moves up in those rankings. And so when it moves up in those rankings, more people pay attention to it because it's in the top 100 or top 50 or top 10 than if it were, say, you know, number 373 in design. No one's paying attention to that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a a mystery science with with iTunes as far as how it works. We sort of feel like those things must be some sort of factor, but nobody's really ever, there's not like a iTunes published, you know, settings or set of uh, procedures for right. <laughs> getting your Well, shows. I think in a way that's probably good because if that did come out, then people would try to game it for all it's worth. Right. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I know it's, it's tough. It feels a little funny always asking for ratings and reviews and, and, uh, but it's just the nature, I think of what our, our game, I guess, or this medium requires us to do in the, in the same way that, uh, um, TV shows or whatever need you to tell their friends about it and all that kind of stuff. It's just right. It, it, it's interesting. I tell people that when it comes down to podcasts, it's like now, now you have a, a business, so you're familiar with sort of this this triangle paradox of good, fast, cheap, pick two, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like with podcasting, that triangle is time, money, and audience. 
So if you have the time and you have the money, whether it's your money or sponsor money, you can sort of, you know, buy into an audience, whether you're hiring a PR person, whether you're doing more marketing, you can sort of find the audience if you have the time and the money for that. If you have the money through sponsorships and you have that audience, then you can sort of, quote unquote, buy time. And with that, you're hiring a producer, you're hiring staff or something like that. And then if you have the audience and the time, you can pretty much find the money because that's what the sponsors are looking for. They're looking for that audience. So when you have that kind of, you know, triangle type of that perfect ratio and that triangle, I think is sort of the sweet spot that all podcasters are trying to get to. Um, and so with that, that's why we're always like, you know, we want reviews. We need reviews. We're not just saying it to be, you know, kind of, you know, boastful or, or anything like that. But it does factor into kind of the overall popularity of your show, how much your show spreads. You know, those things are important. Yeah, it's not just a ego stroke thing. It's not, I don't, we don't need to hear that. I mean, those, those things are nice, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're nice, but like, you know, it it's, so, it's so funny, you know, when it sort of comes to sponsorships, because some, one thing that I found just through the survey that I did a few months ago is that uh, people are like, oh, you know, you do the, the sponsor reads and the ad reads, and I wish you didn't do that. And I'm like, well, you know, if people were, were donating and sponsoring in a way where we wouldn't have to solicit advertisers, that would be great. But, that's not the nature of the business. You know, it costs money to do the audio hosting. It costs money for the website. Like these things are not free. And as much as we love to do it, you know, it still kind of has to be something, you know, at least partially economically viable. So we're not just spending our own money to kind of always make it happen. If you feel like we're providing some value to you in some sort of way, you know, we're not asking for a lot. I know we're revision pad. We don't ask for a lot of money. We ask for, um, I think the, the most we ask for is $5 per episode. Because we have like a, a, not a, not per episode, I'm sorry, $5 a month. We have like a um, a monthly thing called the fist bump, the $5 fist bump, where you pay $5 a month. That sort of helps keep, you know, the show going if we get enough of those types of, of donors coming in. But, you know, those things are important just to kind of keep the livelihood of, of the site going, to keep it at a certain quality level, to increase that quality level, to offer more features and things that people want. You know, those things are important. Yeah, you've noticed, I noticed you're on uh Tugboats or Tugboat Yards, I guess it's called, um, yes. for a sort of fundraising and, and crowd support service, and uh, which is a great great service that's out there. It's a sort of complementary, similar ideas to like Patreon and things that other people have, are using as well and mm-hmm. um, works. looks like anyways you're having a good success with that as a service. And is it, is it easy to use as a podcaster, I guess, as a for creative kind of service to use? Well, the good thing with Tugboat Yards is that it's sort of – takes the whole um it sort of simplifies the whole fulfillment process i suppose so people can pay through the site and then that goes to um a bank account or something like that you know on a on a regular interval however you schedule it out and then you have like your supporter wall so you see the supporters that are on there you can uh also tie it in as a mailchimp so what we have for people that sponsor the show they're on a special kind of uh, subscriber only email list where they get a weekly newsletter from me that has like behind the scenes updates. They can listen to the next episode early. You know, they can give feed, you know, they can give their feedback on things before I sort of release it out to the public. So that's kind of the the benefit of doing it that way is it sort of segregates it from like the rest of my inbox and the rest of my email. And they, they kind of make it, you know, pretty easy. They make it pretty simple. I haven't tried Patreon. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably similar to that with Patreon. But that's kind of the benefit, I think, of using it is that you have it in um, 
in one sort of place. Also with Tugboat Yards, they offer like a little, um, it's like a tracking code of some sort that you can put on your site and you can have pop-ups or pop-unders, you know, for specific pledge levels that you've got on your um, on your fundraising page. I've tried that a little bit. It's, I haven't been super successful with it, but that option does exist if you want to go that route. Yeah, yeah I think Patreon isn't doesn't have the... Uh public API hooks yet, like uh, what it sounds like with Tugboat has just maybe being around a little bit longer and, and whatever. And so you're you're sort of having to manually do a lot of that stuff right now at, uh, with your list or whatever that of people and their internal tools are great, but it, it's not the same as, say, hooking into an email service like that automatically or things like that. Yeah. Um, so, which I, I hear is coming, but yeah, it's just a matter of which service you like and which one you start with is it's much harder to transition folks, I think from one, you know, donors or whatever supporters from one service to another, even if uh, you may like it or whatever. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> Might true. Lose some folks along the way. So, <laughs> um, which uh, brings me to actually speaking of uh, sponsorship, I'm going to just take a quick break for a sponsor for this episode of show me your mic, which uh, our first sponsor for this episode is campaign monitor who make it fun and easy to send beautiful emails. If you need to send an email campaign in a hurry, get started with their template builder, and you can have a responsive email template ready in 60 seconds. Their new, uh, well, relatively new geolocation segments, you can send uh, personalized emails to your subscribers all over the world. Um, I just recently used it to set up a quick list, a segment of a list on our on our good stuff that FM newsletter for a new podcast idea that I'm sort of tossing around the idea of and wanted to get a few people involved with and and uh, rather than doing sort of a big group email and you know in mail.app or whatever and, and sending things around that way we I just set up a quick list and sent out a subscribe link got people on the list and then had a good idea using a quick form built in, inside campaign monitor of when people could record what kind of shows they would want to be on topics they want to talk about that kind of thing and all within campaign monitor and uh, again, like I said, quick and easy to get it set up. So visit uh, campaignmonitor.com to get started sending your own beautiful emails today. My thanks to them for sponsoring Good Stuff and Show Me Your Mic. Um, I want to go back to just briefly, you mentioned a couple times the user survey that you'd sent out, which I think is a great uh, thing. And again, one of those things where just like asking for feedback or ratings, pe- sponsor, or, sorry, podcasters sometimes feel like reluctant to whatever, push the business side of their podcast onto their listeners or, or whatever the, the feeling might be. You just feel whatever, skeezy or sleazy or whatever, doing some of that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, just reading it over, I'll put the link in the show notes so folks can find the link to it at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 70. This is episode 70 of Show Me Your Mic. Um, it's a great survey and, and you get, you know, obviously you got great feedback. It doesn't, you don't have to say how many people, but just reading through it, it's like you said about the the ways people are listening which you don't always get complete picture of from stats and things like that and then also the just the general responses that people wrote in and you know both the good and the bad the mm-hmm. the some people commenting on the sound quality of your guests or whatever which i know is a common issue with skype or um and then wishing they could see in it, the interviewer and things like that and um how have you sort of processed some of that feedback into what you're going to do with the show because obviously one person might mean 20 people or it might just be one squeaky wheel, I guess. And so how have you decided to sort of process some of that? So uh, we're going to actually be doing a uh, upcoming episode on March 2nd, which is going to be the the second year anniversary of podcast. So, I mean, of, of revision path. So I'm doing a special kind of two year anniversary episode. If people want to send me questions, they can do that. Uh, revisionpath.com forward slash contact. 
and I'll answer those questions all in the podcast. And I do also want to talk a little bit about kind of the survey findings, uh, what I think about the survey findings and, and things that are going to happen in the future as it sort of relates to the future of Revision Path. I'm usually not scared of doing that sort of thing because I want Revision Path, at least as it relates to kind of how things are being offered up. I want that to be as transparent as possible to people uh, because, and I, you know, and I, I don't know if this is something that a lot of other podcasters might get, but I think particularly with Revision Path, it's gotten a ton of scrutiny from like day one. And unfortunately it is because of the fact that it's a, a website that <laughs> talks to black people. And with that, unfortunately, you get the dregs of society that have something to say like every week to try to tear it down in some kind of way. So I'm very transparent about, okay, this is what people are saying. This is what people are doing. This is what's happening. So people don't think that this is all like behind some like magic veil. I'm like, no, I'm recording this. I'm in my bedroom and this is kind of just how it's going down. And this, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, what have you. Um, I'm also a math guy. My degree is in math, so I don't shy away from the numbers or the statistics. I prefer to see that. So that lets me know if something is working, if something is not working. And the good thing with, you know, podcasts or or even, you know, any sort of, I think, self-directed venture like this is you're able to pivot pretty easily um, than you would if you had a lot, like a ton of moving parts and a bunch of people behind it, like a big corporation or a big show or something like that. It would be hard to kind of change that focus or change that direction. Whereas I take, you know, I listen to what people say. I take the good, I take the bad. I see what can be done. I see what can't be done based on a number of different, you know, sort of factors and and things of that nature. Like, for example, a lot of people want uh, tutorials. And, you know, I think that's good, but like Revision Path is not your design professor. Revision Path is not your teacher. There's lynda.com, there's Treehouse, there's Code School, there's Tuts Plus. There's a lot of other things out there if you're looking to really sort of learn the like nitty gritty basic ABC one, two, three stuff. That's not what you come to Revision Path for. That's not something that I think we'll ever offer. Uh, but if that's what you're looking for, maybe we can try to strike a deal with Linda to, you know, if they're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do like a, a 10 day trial or something like that. I'd be totally up for that. But that's not something that like is super feasible. Another thing is people want, you know, video interviews. And I get that. However, don't have the time for it. Certainly don't have the money for it. And based on the location of where a lot of people are, getting video is not something that is like super feasible. Like we don't have correspondents that can go out and take really nice professional videos and have those up for you every single week for free. It's not something that we can do. <laughs> can do the audio. Audio is great. Yeah. Video, you know, I, I tell people if these are the things that you want that you need to support the show to make it happen. That's kind of the the plainest way that I can put it. Yeah, and I, that's it's it's so interesting on, on multiple levels. Just how uh, I know as as creative types like yourself on the web, you kind of feel like, well, it's obvious. There's like like you said, Linda or whatever, and they don't sponsor this show, so we don't need to mention them anymore. But <laughs> unless they wanted to, <laughs> but no, the you know it feels like well, it's obviously there's stuff out there. Why would you want me to do more the, of that kind of stuff? Like, and obviously they appreciate your voice and your style of of talking and instruction or whatever that you've done on the show and stuff. And, um, and it's so tempting to just like, well, I'll just add a video tutorial. I commend you for having the discipline to not just be the internet entrepreneur who just keeps adding more stuff to the, (laughs) to their plate and then eventually gets burned out and they don't end up doing anything anymore. So, right. Because, well, I mean, to be clear, like revision path, I think in, in just it's, it's mission and vision is this is not the first type of enterprise like this on the web. 
before this, there's been other sites like Inspiring Black Designers. There's been Black Design News Network. There's been Colorzine. There have been other people that have done the same type of scope where it's been, we're going to feature and talk to black designers. And eventually those end up burning out, you know, probably for a number of reasons, lack of, you know, financial support, lack of community support, trying to be all things to all people. Could be a, you know, a number of different things. So I have to be pretty um, disciplined in saying this is what it is, this is what Vision Path is, and this is what it's not. So I'm focusing on this is what it is, where it's interviews and we're talking to people. If we branch out to do some other things, it's going to be slowly, but really that's going to depend on feedback and community support. Like I'm not going to break the bank to make something happen if I don't feel like the community is going to be there to support it. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. I'm just looking through the the your blog post uh, on the the feedback you got, and 92% haven't donated to Revision Pass, 7% have. But then the next question was, how are you familiar with the fundraising efforts that you're doing? And you know, nearly 80% of the people aren't familiar. And you probably feel like you talk about it too much, or I know often I feel like I talk about my Patreon page too much, or whatever, and the sort of false humility or whatever that we have about it sometimes. Um, but obviously, you know, 80% of people aren't even familiar with it. So they're not hearing it or they're whatever the reason might be that they're not familiar with it. And, uh, and they can, uh, you know, 60% didn't, aren't aware that they could support you for five bucks a month or whatever. And so it's, it's a great way to get feedback, obviously, which is obvious. It's a, it's a user yeah. feedback, listener feedback tool, but just some of the questions like I think podcasters out there might be inspired by what you've asked, um, in, in thinking beyond just demographics i guess is what often seems to be like are you a male between 20 and 40 so that we can tell our sponsors that you know but actually getting real feedback on the show itself that you're doing and and that's the thing that you want to get better at presumably right because the thing is i mean for small shows revision path is, is a small show um the thing is that when you go to a lot of advertisers let's say if you're going to an agency like archer avenue slash mid-roll or or something like that they are looking at the numbers. They're saying, look, if you're not getting 25,000 downloads per episode, we don't want to talk to you. That's real talk. Um, if you're starting out much less than that and you're still kind of looking for sponsors, then you have to sell sponsors on your value because the demographics really don't mean anything. If you tell people, oh, we've got 300 downloads an episode, that's nothing. You have to sell them on what's the value of the show and why does that tie in, you know, per se, to their particular brand. So when I'm asking questions about like, well, why do you listen to the show? What do you like about the show? That helps me to sort of craft the story. If I go to an advertiser and say I'm looking for sponsorship, you know, this is what people sort of think about the, the site and this is how it ties into your company's mission and what people are looking for. So crafting it that way really helps. Now, I think as it relates kind of to, um, you know, getting people to want to give, I mean, you can't force them, Right. You can just tell people, like, this is what we're doing. This is how you can do it. I mention it at the end of every show. Maybe that's why people aren't listening because they don't listen to the very end. <laughs> um, but I, I try to put it out there enough where I'm not super obnoxious about it. I mean, I certainly tweet it out enough. And we get, you know, a fair amount of, of donations. And I think I ask for what I feel is a, a uh, good price per episode for sponsorship um, as it relates to our numbers. So I'm not asking for, like, $300 an episode for sponsorship or anything like that. Um, I say, well, you know, if you can do $100, we'll do an ad read. We'll put it on the episode uh, page or something like that. That works. You know, at least you can say, okay, for $100, I can do $100. And that $100 goes a long way. The $100 produces four episodes on average. So yeah. that helps me out a lot because that's $100 I don't have to spend. 
Yeah. And it, and it comes from a company that, you know, wants to get their product or their service or their name out in front of this audience. So it kind of is a mix of the demographics, a mix of the value. But the purpose of me doing the survey in that respect is to get that information so I can really kind of communicate that and sell that to people. I can't just say like, oh, it's I mean, I've had people that, um, for example, were kind of always on the on the hunt looking for writers and we'll have people that will submit a pitch or want to submit a pitch and say, well, you know, I would, but I don't really, you know, know how to write about like black topics. And I'm like, well, the audience is black, but the topic is design. So you just write about design. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't have to throw any, you know, yo's and hip hops in there. <laughs> just just write it. You yeah. know, like I don't don't feel like you have to sort of craft the message in some particular special way. And there have been advertisers that have sort of come with this very like urban type of, of a uh, read or, or information that right. they want. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you, you can word this like you talk to any other pot. You don't have to, yo, 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 we're, we're hiring. We don't have to do all that. Not do that. It's you almost know. like there's humans listening, right? Instead of these. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not, people. <laughs> right. And so also, you know, the, the, the value of doing the, the survey is to kind of show that it's not just like this monolithic, you know, type of audience like yes the majority of the listeners are black but even with that you can see how it sort of breaks down where people are living what sort of describes them so it helps to sort of contextualize this audience a bit more to people that might not be aware of who is listening yeah well i, I mean i listened to a few episodes and it's not again it's not when you're listening especially podcasts maybe it would help folks who who somehow have struggles with uh race or whatever that you're listening to a person talk about design and mentors and there's, it's not like a, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm no, trying no, to get no, no, to, no. But you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, not yeah. like there's any real bearing, like, yes, there is stuff that is related to someone who is black who, and that's what, you know, issues or struggles or whatever that you've had as a result of that. But that's not, it's, not, it's not the overwhelming focus of yeah. every episode. Yeah. Like I, I, that's purposefully, I don't make it, I don't make every episode be like, you know, the diversity power hour or we're just going to talk about how unfair it is for black people in Silicon Valley. That's not every episode. I ask people even before we record, like, is this something that you want to talk about? Because we can go there. But if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people do. Some people don't. It's totally OK. It's more about me. For me, it's more about them telling their story because they're the best person to tell it. And whatever that story is, whatever chapters in that story they want to share it's completely up to them. It can be the unabridged version. It can be the unedited version. It's it's totally up to them. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, I, I got to take another break for another sponsor, but afterwards, I just want to talk a bit about some of your editing and gear and stuff, and also the podcast you yourself listen to, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and get into some of that. But uh, our second sponsor for this episode is a small orange. They are a they have a simple vision: perfecting hosting while maintaining a homegrown feel with a focus on people, their customers, their employees, and their community. A small orange isn't like those big hosting conglomerates. They don't promise unlimited plans that are actually hindered by hidden limitations. Instead, you're only responsible for paying for the resources you need. Whether you just started your own blog or you're running a powerful e-commerce site, they have a plan for you. And uh, before I could recommend them, I wanted to use them myself. So I recorded a little screencast myself, setting up an account, installing WordPress, writing the first blog post, and uh, adding. I'm going to be adding stuff to as far as how to record your first podcast episode on there. And you can check out the link in the sponsor section at uh, goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 70. Uh, and just to see the link to the, the little tutorial video and also a link to where you can sign up for a small orange and, and uh, help out Show Me Your Mic uh, with 
some affiliate sponsorship money. So my thanks to them, and uh, I'd encourage you to check them out um, for if you need some web hosting for a next, next project or a client or whatever you might need. I think they might... I was going to say they're actually Atlanta-based, but maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I think they are. Yeah, that's uh, Tim Dore is the, the CEO, I believe. Nice. Well, there you go. Yeah. Another unplanned <laughs> tie-in. <laughs> it's a, it's, they're one of those they, uh, like Everybody sees it now. Like You look at their site once, and then they obviously have the Google tracking code thing, and so then you start seeing it everywhere. And <laughs> so eventually right. I was just like, you know I'm just going to try this site out because I see it all over the place. And uh, yeah, <laughs> works great. Um I'm, they're not just paying me to say that. Obviously, that's why I pay for an account with them. Um, so, yeah, the you mentioned editing. I'm just curious on that. How much of the how much editing are you actually doing in a, with your interviews? Are you sort of chopping them up a bit, or just kind of letting whatever happens for 60 minutes? You know, aside from flubs and Skype dropouts and things, fly. So yeah. So when we record, um, I just I record from the time the pretty much the call starts to when it ends. So it's the full like when I send it to my to my editor, it's the full like. 90 plus minutes or however long we're recording and then i usually will have a cue like i'm taking notes while we're doing the interview so when i'm listening back to it i can say okay i need to maybe take this part out or i need to clip this part so i can add it to the intro or something like that but that's on the raw audio so when i send that to the audio engineer i i mean he has instructions to say okay when you hear five seconds of silence at this point that's when you start cutting and then when it stops that's when you start so they only get like the the meat of the interview. And then inside of that, I'm, I'm sure he probably levels out the audio using Levelator. I think he also uses, um, I forget, Sony Vegas something or some, some kind of audio uh, thing. He's not using, I use Audacity um, when I'm doing it on my end. Uh, I tried using Audition. It just felt like it was too much. It was just too much for me. It, it came between, I felt, me and the mic in terms of really getting stuff out. Whereas with Audacity, I know my shortcuts. I can easily go in, record, edit, boom, it's done. Um, but yeah, there's. I think in, but what my engineer does, he probably takes out some of the ums and ahs, and I tell him to try to make it sound as cohesive as possible without it being like an audio jump cut. Because sometimes you can tell when someone has edited out every single uh, and then it sounds like they are talking like a robot. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like yeah. you can you can tell when it's dropped out and they've come back in. And maybe it's just me listening because I listen to a lot of audio that I hear that. Maybe the average ear doesn't hear that. But I try to make it so it's pretty um, cohesive. We really don't take a lot of stuff out of the interview unless it's like, oh, I got to answer the door or, you know, I got to take a phone call or something like that. Other than that, it's pretty much the the full raw audio for every interview. Yeah. And then you do actually something similar to what I do. It sounds like you you record your intro and outro after the fact or before, I guess, depending on what the particular interview might be and and tack that on yeah i usually do it like two or three days before the the um the interview publishes because i try to make sure that the intro and the outros are timely Mm -hmm. because it depends on what else is going on so for example if it's like the podcast awards nominations are going on so i would include that in the intro and the outro Mm -hmm. or you know whatever a specific episode sponsor was or you know things of that nature i try to make sure i do that right before the week before the episode, so that way when it goes out, it's um it's pretty cohesive. And so the intro and outro, recording that, um, adding the audio underneath, and then mixing that in with the edited episode, I'd say overall it takes me about mm, like an hour maybe to do it all in Audacity, just mix everything together and export it out. Uh, it usually takes about that long. 
And most of that is me like flubbing on <laughs> on doing the intro and the outro in like one take instead of trying to like piece it together. Yeah. Oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. It's it's totally different though for the year of T. So because we haven't really talked that much about the year of T. Right, but the yeah. year of T is is totally different in that the intro and outro audio are the same. Um, and it takes me probably, I'd say maybe 15 minutes to produce an episode. And so I, that's me like sitting down at the mic, you know, in the morning and saying today is February 3rd, 2015. Thank you so much for tuning into the year of tea. Talk about the, the tea I'm drinking for less than five minutes. Cut that audio and then put it, pull it up. in. Well, actually, I'm recording directly into Audacity. Uh, you know, do noise removal. I, I have a chain of um, effects that I do. Which oh my god! Once I learned about how to do chains and audacity, completely, completely changed <laughs> my editing workflow. Because before I was like effects, compressor, effects, equalization. But now I now I learn how you can apply chains, and it just does it all like so easy. Nice. So I have, I you, have apply- sorry, I was just going to interrupt you, but to can you briefly touch on just uh, I know it's a it's an audio, so it's not visual, but just how someone would I know there's a few audacity editors out there who maybe not aren't familiar with what that might mean and how that would work but is it yeah possible yeah to so so I can't I can't take full credit for this I completely picked this up from uh Daniel J Lewis who does the audacity the podcast mm-hmm. and he actually has a whole episode about this but if you go to if you're in audacity and you go to file there's a um, a command that's called edit chains and then it shows you how you can add a chain and add the effects that you want to take the different uh settings that it needs to have uh i would i would recommend checking out his video it's about a 20 minute video that's on his website uh the audacity the podcast.com and he lists out how you can do a chain and it's just it's so easy because basically what i do is just select all the audio hit apply chain and then it will run through everything in like five seconds and i'm like it's it's amazing i love it i love it so much like i can't (laughs) i can't stop i can't stop talking about how great that is yeah, um, I just but, found it actually episode, uh, I think it's episode 95. I'll put it in the in the show notes at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 70. But uh, yeah, great video. Yeah, so I, I, I run like, you know, a compressor, equalizer, normalize, hard limiter. It's like, I think it's that that special cocktail of audacity settings that's probably floating around a dozen videos on YouTube. Right. Uh, uh, but I do that and then I basically plop in the intro, plop in the outro, um, I do the ID three notes in Audacity, export it out. Takes about fifteen minutes, so uh, I can do that one every day. Like it's no problem. Like Revision Path usually takes a little bit longer because I'm reading more and doing more stuff. Whereas the Year of T, I just sit down, start recording, it's done. Yeah, yeah. I have a I do a podcast called Dailyish. It's kind of just my own little audio journal thing and on good stuff links yeah. and show notes, whatever. But like, yeah, it's fun. It's a nice way to I. The reason I did it, and maybe this is similar to what you're doing, like you said, like trying to do something every day, is just kind of like a way to flex your podcast muscles or or um, exercise your podcast muscles, whatever analogy is appropriate there. But um, just because otherwise, you know, you do this like you're doing an interview show, and I'm doing an interview show, and it's a sort of locked in a certain style. You don't, you can mess with it, but you, you know, it is a certain style of show, and so yeah, yeah. something else to do a little bit different, creative stuff with is is kind of a nice little outlet to have. So. Definitely yeah, encourage that kind of audio there, journal or whatever it might be that's different from your standard podcast that you do. Yeah, there's even other shows that I guess this is this is another exclusive for <laughs> Show Me Your Bike. So there are <laughs> I have about three other shows that are like in planning right now. 
Um, because apparently I just can't stop podcasting. So the yeah, first, once you start, <laughs> yeah, the first show is going to be, um, me and a guest or, and we'll, I think that's going to be like a short, maybe 10 episode podcast where we kind of go back and forth about, you know, some business stuff, like just talk about being a, a, uh, design entrepreneur and how that works out and things like that. Uh, the second show that I want to do is another interview show. Um, but not about tech or design, but more so about like, and I'm still kind of, I guess, keeping it in this black lane, so to speak, but I wanted to do something that's just kind of me talking to black people that are doing like really cool stuff. And what that is, is of course completely subjective, but just talking to them about what they're doing, sort of similar to revision path, but not in the vein of like design or tech. And then the third show that I want to do is a quiz show. I really want to do a quiz podcast so bad. (laughs) Um, We're like, and I've, I've got the whole like thing for it, the, the setup for it that I want to do. And I feel like that would be something that I also would want like a short season of like maybe 10 to 15 episodes of like season one. And I w- it would be a quiz show, but I'd want to do it with like Internet personalities sort of. I mean, it would be about, you know, I guess I, I can't really, I guess, go too much into it. But it would be a quiz show with Internet personalities where like I asked them a question or something they answer, they can choose to answer it or pass on it or something like that. So I've got those three shows kind of in development, mm-hmm. but like right now it's like, well, when am I going to have time to <laughs> like squeeze in doing three more shows? Cause I've got my business that I'm doing. I also teach. Um, I'm going to be at South by Southwest probably next month. So like I'm trying to figure out how do I have time to do all of this stuff, but there it's out there. There might be like some Q2, Q3 type of stuff, but those are in the pipes. It's, nice. It's soon. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed I wanted to mention that you had the, uh, on your campaign on GoFundMe to send you to South by Southwest. Just, you got your talks are approved, but just need to get there, get revision path and, and you more importantly to, yeah. to South by Southwest, South by Southwest and, uh, which is coming up pretty quick. So, uh, that, uh, another link in the show notes, if you want to support getting Maurice out there, that'd be a great, um, great. Yes, appreciate please, pretty close. Yeah, I'm pretty close. Uh, big thanks to AIGA. They just um, came through with a huge donation on yesterday. They donated $1,000 towards it, which puts me at like 80, I'm like 85% of my goal right now. So I'm not that far away to getting there. But of course, it's this soon out. So I've got to buy the plane ticket. I got to find somewhere to stay when I get there. Mm-hmm. But the plan is when I get there, aside from doing my panel, uh, Where Are the Black Designers, which is going to be on Saturday, March 14th at the Austin Convention Center Ballroom E. Aside from that, um, I plan to hook up with other, you know, black designers and developers that are there and do interviews while I'm out there. So I've got my, like, four-track recorder and my mics ready, so I'm ready to go and and do shows while I'm out there as well. So it's not just like, oh, get me out there so I can speak, but also be out there speaking and doing interviews and talking to people and, you know, maybe putting that together for a future episode. Nice. So yeah, let's talk about uh, some of the gear that you just mentioned, I guess, that you're, you record your show with, but then also, I guess, what you're taking on the trip, too. I'm curious about what you're, what you're packing. But uh, okay. so what, what kind of mic do you use usually to record your Revision Path and, and uh, the UFT? So right now, and, and big thanks to my sponsors for this, because I wouldn't have been able to get this equipment otherwise. Uh, right now, I'm using an Audio-Technica AT2020 XLR mic. Um, and that's on a, a Rode podcaster arm that's mounted to my desk. And I've got a little pop filter. 
Um, this mic is connected to a Scarlett Focusrite 2i2 uh, with an XLR cable. And so that goes then directly into my computer. And that's pretty much how I record everything when I'm doing revision path interviews, uh, when I'm doing the Year of T stuff here at home. That's what I'm using. I've got other mics like I have a Blue Yeti USB mic. That's what I used before I got this one. And I have a headset mic, a Microsoft uh, LifeChat LX6000, which I sometimes use for Skype interviews and things. Because it's, it's, uh, if it's a Skype interview where I'm on camera, for example, if I'm at my laptop, I use that because it's portable. I can't like bring all this stuff with me. Uh, my portable setup is different. I have a Tascam DR40. Um, I also have a Tascam DR05, but I haven't used that one too, too much, especially since I upgraded my gear. I just upgraded my gear for Christmas. So I got a Tascam DR40. So that's got two XLR inputs on the bottom, and then it has uh, XY mics on top. And then I've got two, um, oh God, the name of those mics are escaping, but they're Audio-Technica, the, the hand mics, the, the, I can't recall the name of, they have an XLR input on the bottom. Do you know what I mean? XLR and USB, or are they? Yeah, it's just, XLR and USB. Yeah, the ATR twenty one hundred, I think. Is ATR twenty one hundred. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got two of those. Oh, nice. Uh, with XLR cable, so that's that's my my portable setup is going to be the uh, the Tascam with those two mics. I thought about getting some lavalier mics, but I haven't done any sort of on location in the field type interviews yet. So I feel like those would be good enough to use for now. Once I get an idea of what a mobile setup is like because you know that sort of stuff you really don't know until you go out and test and see what works you get your stuff you think it'll work then you start using it and you're like this isn't really feasible like i can't be <laughs> carrying all this stuff with me but uh the task mdr40 and the two mics and everything those easily fit in my bag so i don't think that's going to be too much of a hassle yeah well, that's nice yeah i'll have to look look forward to hearing uh, how that all works out especially this is your sort of first time doing mobile whatever in the field or whatever it might be yeah uh, this will be the first time doing that yep. nice that's awesome and no better place to try it out than south by southwest with a few other people <laughs> hanging right <around>. exactly <laughs> cool uh and then you mentioned all your audacity is what you're using and then uh, obviously uh yeah, so, yeah I, I use audacity to edit any audios that audio stuff that i'm doing I tried using Alphonic. I've used Alphonic before. I've used Levelator before, but I just kind of always find myself going back to Audacity because that's sort of what I was using 10 years ago and it still holds up. So, mm -hmm. you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I know it's so tough. I, yeah, I use that and I use Skype for uh, recording calls and, well, I use Skype for the calls and then I use Pamela to record. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, yeah, Windows user as well. So um, I. I teased a previous guest on being a Windows <laughs> user for, for podcasting, which is is fully teasing. I'm fully aware, don't send me emails, that I know there's lots of podcasters who just use Windows and it's not just a Mac, some sort of Mac enclave or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I have, I've um, well, I've got an iPad mini, but I haven't really tried doing a mobile recording thing using that or even using my phone. I have an Android phone, I have a OnePlus One, but I haven't really tried doing audio podcasting on those yet. Um, and I haven't really tried on a Mac because I don't have a Mac. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I know that that's what a lot of, you know, sort of the design world, the podcasting world uses, you know, Macs. And I think that you, you use what you're comfortable with, you know. Yeah. I know exactly. for a lot of people that are just kind of starting out with doing podcasts, for a while I was part of uh, Podcasters Paradise, which is John Lee Dumas's kind of private group for people that are getting their podcasts off the ground. Like when I first started Revision Path, I was in there. And I, I saw people get so hung up on like 
the gear and the software and things like that, not realizing that you just have to start. And, you know, as long as you start with whatever you have, you can have an upgrade path. You don't have to start with perfect. So you start with whatever you have if you're on, not saying that Windows is, is not perfect, but you, <laughs> you, know, you, st- you start with what you have yeah. with the mic that you have and you, you go from there. You know, I know a lot of people that spend hundreds of dollars making sure they get their setup absolutely perfect before they record the first episode. And I feel like that is so backwards because if you don't have down what you're going to talk about or, or what your show's going to be like um, before you start putting all this money into gear, then it's going to be a kind of a wasted investment, you know, like start doing your show, get a feeling for what you're going to talk about, whether it's an interview show, whether it's you with a co-host, whether it's just you by yourself. You know, a lot of people get hung up on hearing their own voice and, and, you know, kind of trying to reconcile that in some sort of way. But like, just get started with it and get started with whatever the gear is that you have and then upgrade from there. Always look at sort of having, you know, an upgrade path. Uh, Don't think that you've got to start with perfect. Yeah, that's what I had written, wrote, wrote up a little blog post on my own blog uh, just as a response to a friend asking me about what tools and gear I should get started with. And that's the, my first advice, too, is just use on the Mac, anyways, use QuickTime or whatever Windows Media Player or whatever it is on, on Windows um, to just record yourself talking and then play it back. And do you like hearing that? Because if you don't, yeah. you're going to get sick of hearing yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. You I, I think for, for audio stuff, um, like even if you're just doing audio only by yourself, I know that um, with. With iOS, there's a mobile app called, oh, I think, oh, I forget what it's called, Opinion or something like that. It's oh, like, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's what it's called, where you can just like start recording. And that's that. I mean, I'm on Android. I use the built-in sound recorder sometimes if I'm doing notes. Um, like if I'm thinking, if I'm out, out somewhere and I'm thinking of like what I want to, what T do I want to do next for the year of T or what angle do I want to take for another revision path interview? I just use the sound recorder. Or something from that. And the audio is decent. If I took that audio and exported it into Audacity and cleaned it up, it would probably be decent enough for, you know, a podcast. But just start with what you have and yeah. go from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, you can, unless you like, well, like your time uh, audience money trilogy or triangle, sorry, not trilogy, <laughs> triangle, you know, if, if unless you've got all the money in the world to just throw it a bunch of gear and if you don't really like podcasting, no harm, no foul, but uh, most of us don't have that kind of money just to waste on a, a hobby that we don't ever do anything with. Uh, and so, yeah. Yeah, sure like, if a, you, like if you end up spending $500 on gear and you only record 10 episodes, like what's, yeah. what, what, what good was that for? Like is this something you're going to consistently – keep doing is this something that you know you're going to have an audience for like start with that first and then really start looking at how you want to upgrade your gear or, or what other upgrades you want to take yeah uh, I, I just don't think that anyone should get super bogged down into the tools because the tools are just that they're tools right so you can use any tool that you think would be good would be bad the, the main focus is you know what's your show going to be about are people going to listen to it is this something that people want to hear what value are you putting out there yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I'll just follow up on that. Opinion is the app that you were mentioning that uh, on iOS it allows you to record right to SoundCloud or Dropbox. Um, and yes. I think I have it on my phone. I think it was free or maybe it was just free for a while or it is free right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's like free for I think if you're recording up to five minutes or ten minutes or something like that. But if you want longer than that, you have to pay. But, right. you know, it's even if you were just doing – yeah, it's a start. It's a start. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, way I wrap up, the show is uh, just asking what podcasts you listen to and uh, and also apps that you happen to listen to them on, just for curiosity's sake of uh, what what apps are being used out there. But uh, starting with uh, whatever, however many five ten podcasts okay. you want to mention. So uh, I've been listening. I've been listening to podcasts probably since God, maybe like two thousand three, two thousand four, maybe. So there's a lot of podcasts that I used to listen to that aren't around anymore, which I hate. Like I was really big into uh, WFTP, which was Mike Cena's. Uh, he would do these mixes every week that were just great. Um, but he doesn't really do those anymore. So I listen to some music podcasts like uh, uh, Soul Riffic is one of them. Uh, we Funk does a, I think it's weekly or bi-weekly now where they will do audio for about two hours of a number of different cuts or mixes. Um, other podcasts that I listen to, I listen to Startup, um, Alex Bloomberg's podcast, which I kind of go back and forth on that. Like, <laughs> I guess because I'm, you know, a podcaster that's doing this, I feel like some of the stuff he's doing, I cringe at like, oh, don't do X, Y, Z or or not maybe understanding a specific viewpoint. I'm like, you have a million dollars in funding. Why are you burned out? I don't understand that. But <laughs> I, I like Startup. Um, I listen to the Of 10 podcast, which is a new podcast by Will Lucas, where he interviews kind of prominent uh, black people in the tech and startup spaces. So that's a really good show. Um, I listen to there's actually another a number of other podcasts that are kind of in that same arena, like buildup.vc with Wayne Sutton, uh, Blacks in Technology with Greg Greenlee and Iori Selassie, Smart Brown Voices with Mike Street. Uh, who else do I listen to? Oh, and this and this is probably like completely totally different from any other shows I listen to. I also listen to this really popular, super irreverent podcast called The Read, which is done by uh, Kid Fury and Crystal out of New York. It's it's not I wouldn't say it's not safe for work, but it's it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty crass show. But I I, I, mean, I really, really, really like that show. Um, it's kind of like entertainment news. It's just two friends kind of like, you know, shooting the breeze. It's a really uh, fun show in that respect. And they have a huge following They're I think they're turning to pretty soon as well. So they've been around for about two years and they do live shows and everything. Um, so those, yeah, those are the shows that I pretty much listen to. Nice. That's good. Good list of, uh, of shows to check out. And, uh, what, what app do you listen to on, on your Android or on your computer? What do you, Oh, so listen? I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, a purist in that way. If they have a player on their site, that's usually where I'll listen. So it's nine times out of 10 it's SoundCloud where I listen to a lot of stuff. Oh, nice. Um, I've got, I've got SoundCloud on my Android phone. I have it on my iPad. And then if a podcast, I think now a lot of podcasts also have their audio hosting and they have SoundCloud, like revision path does that. Um, I just listen to it in SoundCloud mostly. Nice. That's actually that's a discussion we were having here at Good Stuff with the other founders of sure, just as far as what what and how to use SoundCloud. Obviously, we have the website and and uh, that's a you know important piece to have obviously <laughs> for a podcast. But yeah, investigating the idea of co-hosting or also setting up a SoundCloud account for some shows and yeah, and and the good thing that I like about SoundCloud, aside from the fact that people can kind of listen and and subscribe and follow within the app is that the SoundCloud link itself plays really well with Twitter cards and with Facebook cards. Mm -hmm. So you can post that link in a status update or post it in a tweet, and it will render out the player. So they can listen right in their timeline, whether they're on mobile or on desktop. So that's that's kind of another big reason why I use SoundCloud. Yeah, have you found a good, again, going back to like, 
as far as whether it's worth it and all that kind of stuff. I know it, like it looks nice and makes it easy to to, uh, to to do that kind of stuff. But have you found playback uh, as far as I forget on your reader survey? I guess where where it breaks down. But has the, the uptake been good as far as where your time spent uploading and you know setting up SoundCloud, etc. Um, I think it's I think it's really been worth it. I would say um, I'm thinking about what I had in the survey. Most people listen directly on the site, um, and then after that, it's iTunes. But after that, it's SoundCloud. So mm-hmm. people are listening through SoundCloud. As far as people are subscribed to it, I found that there are equal numbers that listen on SoundCloud, and then listen through an external app like Pocket Cast or Overcast or something. So I found that it's kind of uh, it's kind of been worth it for mm-hmm. me. Because, you know, then people can have like a playlist of stuff. They can easily share it. So if they just want to share like the page itself that the episode is on. They can share that and put it in their blog. Like you can drop that URL in a WordPress blog and it'll it should render out the player itself. So you don't have to do a whole lot of extra stuff to really share your show. I'm looking at SoundCloud more as like distribution rather than, you know, hosting. Right. So yeah. like so like the audio like I have is hosted. I use Simplecast. I didn't mention that earlier. I use Simplecast for uh, the Year of T and for Revision Path, uh, but Revision Path is only on Sound is on SoundCloud as well. So I use that to distribute out in social areas. So even if I put that in Google Plus, it'll render out the player. I don't think it does it in LinkedIn, but like Google Plus, Twitter, Facebook, I can just drop in the link, and there's the player. And I find that to be like super simple if people are sharing um, updates or sharing tweets or something. The players right there, they don't have to go anywhere extra to listen. They can listen right there. And the stats kind of still come back to me that way. Yeah, and I think that's the the important part, of, I guess, about SoundCloud. And I, I could see a day would come where Twitter would just offer to those Twitter cards to any sort of MP, .mp3 file maybe. And so then it wouldn't matter as much. But I think just getting someone hooked and in the, in the door... Rather than having to click through to your website, find the player, hit play, you know, there's a lot of steps there where they can lose interest and forget to even hit play. But having it right in Twitter in the card, if it's if the app is supporting it, obviously, um, it's, yeah, that, gives them a, that's, that chance to listen. But yeah, and it's something that I found out kind of through the survey. Like, yeah, like we'll ask people, you know, to subscribe in iTunes and this, this, that, and the other. But I'm also finding a lot of people don't really like iTunes. They don't use iTunes in that way. Mm-hmm. So. You know, having them do that where, oh, we got to find it, then we got to subscribe, then we got to write a review. If they're on SoundCloud and they just want to listen, they can just listen. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we've listed a bunch of your stuff, but uh, where can folks find you, follow you, and uh, keep up with all things Maurice? <laughs> okay. Woo. Whoa. That's that's a good question. So, <laughs> I mean, there's there's my, I mean, my personal site is just uh, mauricecherry.com, and there's links on there to me on LinkedIn and Tumblr and what have you. Uh, revision path is just revisionpath.com. Uh, you can also search for revision path on Facebook and Twitter. We're on both of those platforms on that same name. Um, and the year of T is the year of T.com T E A. And it's also on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the year of T. Nice. Okay. Well, thanks Maurice for coming on. Show me your mic. And, uh, as I mentioned throughout the show, you can find all the links to things we discussed on this episode in this episode at uh, goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 70. My thanks to Campaign Monitor and A Small Orange for supporting Good Stuff and Show Me Your Mic. If you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic and my podcasting efforts a little more directly, uh, I should have said this earlier in the show, like we said. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't turned off, but you can visit patreon.com slash iChris where you can see my lovely face and 
and uh, and uh, give some money towards the podcasting efforts I do. I really appreciate every dollar that's uh, given to support this stuff. Um, good stuff has its own Twitter account. Good stuff. Sorry, good stuff underscore FM. And uh, show me your mic also has a Twitter account. S M Y M underscore FM. If you got questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Email me, chris at goodstuff.fm. If you'd like to appear on a future episode of Show Me Your Mic, goodstuff.appointlet.com is the link to go to. That's in the show page as well. So if you forget it, you can just go there and check that out. And uh, I think that's it for this episode. So thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.